Lesson number 83, Suratul An'am, ayah number 93 to 110. Woman and who? Azlamu is more unjust. Mimman from who than the one who? If he fabricated, Allahi against Allah, kathiban a lie. Who is more unjust than the one who fabricates a lie about Allah? What kind of a lie? Saying something about Allah which is not true. So for instance, a person saying that Allah has a partner or that he has a child or there are others besides Allah who deserve worship. A person who says something of such nature, what does Allah say about him? That he is the most unjust person. Because وَمَنْ أَظْلَمُ Who is more unjust than he? What's the answer? No one is. This is the height of injustice. This is the height of wrongdoing. To say that Allah has a partner, that He has a child. أو or قَالَ He said, أُوحِيَ It was revealed إِلَيَّ to me. وَحِي was sent to me. Meaning, God has spoken to me. I have become a messenger. Whereas in reality, وَلَمْ While not, يُوحَ It was revealed Ilayhi to him, shay'un anything. The one who says that wahyu has been sent to me, the angel came and spoke to me, God spoke to me, I am now a prophet, whereas in reality, no wahyu was sent to him. So someone who claims to be a prophet, whereas in reality, he is not a prophet. Someone who says such a lie, who is he? The most unjust person. This is the height of injustice. This is the height of evil action. To claim prophethood. Whereas in reality, that's not true. There was a man by the name of Musaylim al-Kadhab. And I mentioned to you earlier about him as well. That he claimed to be a prophet. And this was during the life of the Prophet ﷺ. Near towards the time of his death. So this man claimed to be a prophet. Whereas in reality, he was not a prophet. And following him, there were many others who claimed to be a prophet. Amongst them was also a woman. That yes, Jibreel comes to me and I am a prophet and God has said this to me. And there are people who have claimed this recently as well. Right? That I am a prophet of Allah or that I am Isa salam. Claiming such a thing is not just a lie, but it is the height of injustice. Why? How is it the height of injustice? Because think about it. A person is lying. Ascribing lies to Allah, saying that Allah has commanded something, whereas in reality He didn't command that. Saying that Allah has revealed something, whereas in reality He didn't reveal that. This is literally misguiding people, leading them astray. And it's so sad, because hundreds and thousands of people have been led astray in this way. That when people have made false claims of prophethood, and others, because of their foolishness, they believed in them. And when they believed in them, they followed them in whatever that they were told. Even if whatever they were told was something that didn't make sense. And it's amazing that Allah shows to people how people who made false claims, they were liars in the way that they died, in the way that they were defeated in the dunya. I mean how some of them died literally in the washroom, like in a terrible state in a terrible state, so humiliated before human beings. But still people don't get it. That if he was a prophet of Allah, Allah would honor him in the way that he passed away. But still people don't understand. So hundreds and thousands have been led astray in this way. And this one person who made such a false claim, he is responsible for their misguidance. So وَمَنْ أَظْلَمُ This is the height of injustice.
Also, وَمَنْ and who? قَالَ He said, سَأُنزِلُ Soon I will send down. Meaning I will also come up with. مِثْلَ Similar to مَا That which أَنزَلَ Allah Allah sent down. Meaning, I can also produce something like the Qur'an. The person who makes such a claim, why is he saying that? Out of arrogance, out of pride, out of rejection of the Qur'an. Basically belittling the Qur'an. That the Qur'an, it's not that amazing. What's so impressive about the Qur'an? Even I can say something like the Qur'an. Even I can produce something like the Qur'an. What's the big deal? That all you people are going Qur'an, Qur'an. I can even say something like the Qur'an. It's not a big deal. So when a person says something of such nature, what is he doing in reality? Belittling the Qur'an. Insulting the Qur'an. He's saying this out of pride. And such a person, Allah says, مَنْ أَظْلَمُ Who is more unjust than he? Meaning no one is. In the Qur'an, we learn Surah Al-Anfal, Ayah 31. وَإِذَا تُتْلَى عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتُنَا قَالُوا قَدْ سَمِعْنَا لَوْ نَشَاءُ لَقُلْنَا مِثْلَ هَذَا إِنْ هَذَا إِلَّا أَسَاطِيرُ الْأَوَّلِينَ And when our verses are recited to them, they say, we have heard. If we wanted, we could say something like this too. Nothing impressive. We could also say something like the Qur'an. This is nothing but the legends of the people of the past. So they said this out of pride. But could they produce something like the Qur'an? No, they couldn't. Because we see that false prophets, who claimed that they were prophets, but not in reality prophets, they tried to produce something like the Qur'an. But it was ridiculous in its wording, in its nature, in its meaning. I mean, you read it and you think that a child said that. It's almost funny. So the reality is that people cannot produce anything like the Qur'an. This is why Allah says in Surah Yunus, Ayah 38, أَمْ يَقُولُونَ افْتَرَاهُ قُلْ فَأْتُوا بِسُورَةٍ مِثْلِهِ They say that Muhammad wasallam has fabricated it. Tell them, produce something. Produce one surah like the Qur'an. And we have learned in Surah Al-Baqarah earlier as well, that people cannot produce anything like the Qur'an. So over here, three crimes are mentioned. Great crimes. What? First of all, Lying about Allah, shirk, associating partners with Him. Secondly, false claim of prophethood. And thirdly, ridiculing the book of Allah. Insulting the book of Allah. All these crimes are very, very serious. Allah says, وَلَوْ And if, tara, you could see, إِذْ when الظَّالِمُونَ The wrongdoers. Which wrongdoers? Which zalim? The one who has committed such zulm. Whether it is false claim of prophethood, or it is humiliating the Qur'an, such ظالمون, if you could only see them, fi in ghamaratil maut, the overwhelming pangs of death. Ghamarat, plural of ghamrah. From the root letters, ghain, meem, ra. Ghain, meem, ra. What does ghamrah mean? Ghamrah basically is, you can say like a flood. Okay? Imagine a person is drowning. Imagine that suffocating feeling and all that pressure that he's not able to breathe. He's not able to take a breath. So imagine the pain that he's going through. Has it ever happened that you almost choked or you almost suffocated and you weren't able to breathe for even a few seconds, for a few moments? How painful is that? Not just physically, but mentally. Just that realization. I can't breathe. That when you were crying, you felt as though something yeah, was, was in your chest. I felt something like was grabbing me here. I yes. couldn't breathe. I see everyone, but I can't breathe. Yes. So that feeling itself is so painful that I can't breathe. What if I die? So imagine, ghamrah, 
flood. And from this, it means agony, severity. It is such deep water, the depth of which, the bottom of which you cannot see, you cannot estimate. So غمرات, the agonies, you know, deep pains, the intense pain, intense agony. So غمرات الموت, agonies of death. This is basically when the soul begins to depart from the body. It begins to leave the body. And as it leaves, it is very painful. The Prophet ﷺ also, at the time of his death, did he not experience pain? Yes, a lot. Even the most righteous people. Right? So, غمرات الموت, the agony of death. But, a believer, when he's dying, even though he's suffering from that pain, right? For example, a person is dying from extreme disease or sickness. For example, we learn about Sa'ad bin Mu'az anhu that he got severely wounded at the battle of Khandaq, at the battle of the trench in his arm. And basically it was a major artery that got injured. And as a result, he bled profusely. So much so that he was in a tent in the masjid. That's where the Prophet ﷺ kept him so that the Prophet ﷺ could attend to him himself. And there was another tent of some other people. And Sa'ad bin Mu'az anhu he was bleeding so much that the blood, it was flowing out of his tent literally and flowing into the tent of Banu Ghifar who were also in the masjid. So when they saw all that blood, they got afraid. They got afraid that where is all this blood coming from? So even though death may be very painful for a believer, but still the angels that come to take his soul, what do they do? They give him good news. They give him good news. Which is why the Prophet ﷺ at the time of his death, what was he saying? Allahumma rafiqul a'la. That, oh Allah, I want the greatest companion. Meaning, I want to. I want to come to you now. The prophets are given that choice at the time of death. Would you like to stay in the world or would you like to leave? And imagine the Prophet ﷺ, he said, despite that pain, I would like to leave. I want to go to Allah now. Why? Because a believer at the time of his death, he is given good news. The angels bring him good news. فَرَوْحٌ وَرَيْحَانٌ وَجَنَّةُ نَعِيمٌ They bring him fragrance. They bring him good news of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's reward. So even though the process is painful, the believer looks forward to meeting Allah. And he wants to go quickly. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also wants to meet him or her. But on the other hand, someone who is ظالم, who is unjust, who has committed crimes and sins against Allah, then what happens? What happens? Which kind of angels come to take his soul? What do we learn? I mentioned the long hadith to you earlier. Angels that are very horrific and ugly in their appearance, terrifying, huge angels. Not those angels that bring good news, but bad news of punishment in the grave. And they're very stern in the manner that they speak to the person as well. So when this happens... Imagine the pain and the punishment that has already begun for that zalim. Allah says, وَلَوْ تَرَى إِذِ الظَّالِمُونَ فِي غَمَرَاتِ الْمَوْتِ When they are in the pangs, in the agonies of death, if you could only see the same people who lied all their lives, who mocked at the book of Allah, who challenged the deen of Allah, who opposed it, the same people when they're dying, if only you could see. If only you could see what a miserable, pitiful state they're in. 
الموت. And in that pain, in that agony, what's going on? وَالْمَلَائِكَةُ And the angels, بَاسِطُوا This is plural of بَاسِط The angels are extending. بَسَطَ To extend, to reach out. So the angels are extending out أَيْدِيهِمْ Their hands. Meaning the angels are reaching out towards them. Imagine someone who is scary in their appearance and they're reaching out to you. Just imagine someone reaching out to you to take your soul away. Because when such angels appear before the zalim, what happens is that the ruh, it disperses in the body. It doesn't want to come out. Like tries to avoid the angels. But the angels, they reach out and they pull the soul out. And how? In hadith we learn that just like a thorny branch is pulled, you know, very fiercely from wool that is wet. That what will happen to that wool? It will tear apart immediately. Right? So the angels are basitu aidihim, reaching out with their hands, telling the zalim, akhriju anfusakum. Akhriju, take out anfusakum yourselves. Meaning, come out. You can't avoid death now. You can tell the angel to go away. You can say whatever you want. But now that the time of your death has arrived, أَخْرِجُوا أَنفُسَكُمْ You can't stay in your body anymore. Today, you're coming out. أَخْرِجُوا أَنفُسَكُمْ الْيَوْمَ They say that today, this day, تُجُزَوْنَ You will be recompensed. You will be given عَذَاب Punishment الْهُون Of humiliation. الْهُون From هَوَا وَنُون Hoon, humiliation, disgrace, maheen, humiliated, someone of little value. So adab al hoon, today you'll be tormented with a humiliating torment. Meaning today you'll be degraded. In the world, in your life, you walked with a lot of pride and arrogance, lying about Allah, mocking at the religion of Allah, making fun of His Messenger. And today you'll be punished in such a way that you'll be humiliated. Why? Bima, because of what? Kuntum, you used to. Taquluna, you would say, Allah about Allah, غير other than Al-Haq, the truth. Why will you be punished in such a way that you'll be humiliated? Because in the world, you used to say about Allah that which was not true. You said Allah has a child. Allah doesn't have a child. You said Allah has a partner. Allah doesn't have a partner. You said, you are a prophet. The angel spoke to you. Whereas nothing like that ever happened. You led thousands of people astray. And you mocked at the book of Allah. تَقُولُونَ عَلَى اللَّهِ غَيْرَ الْحَقِّ وَكُنْتُمْ And you used to, عَنْ آيَاتِهِ From his verses, تَسْتَكْبِرُونَ You were arrogant. Meaning you used to be very arrogant towards the verses of Allah. Instead of believing and submitting to them. You responded arrogantly. Even I can say something like that. What's the big deal? In Surah Muhammad, Ayah 27, we learn, فَكَيْفَ إِذَا تَوَفَّتْهُمُ الْمَلَائِكَةُ يَضْرِبُونَ وُجُوهَهُمْ وَأَدْبَارَهُمْ Then how will it be when the angels take them in death, striking their faces and their backs? So we see that the angels will not just take the soul out with a lot of force, which will be very painful for that individual, but they will also beat the person. Imagine, Beaten to death. Imagine the angels that should be a source of mercy, a source of blessing, 
they are beating a person up, hitting him on his back, on his face. Take the soul out of yours. How much can you delay and avoid? You're coming out now to punishment, to humiliation because of your sins. وَلَقَدْ And certainly, جِئْتُمُونَ You all have come to us. To who? To Allah. When the angel has taken the soul and it is deposited where it is supposed to go, Allah says, وَلَقَدْ جِئْتُمُونَ And certainly you all have come to us furada as individuals. Alone. Furada is a plural of fard. And fard is single. Alone. You have come alone by yourself. By yourself. No one is with you today. If you have to go to a new place, even if it's your university, where you'll be studying for the next four or five years, what happens? You want that the first time you're going, your parents are with you. Which is why, for the orientation, what happens? The parents, the family comes along. Why? New place, new environment, completely different method of studying. So what happens? You don't want to go alone. Even though nobody's going to harm you there, you're completely safe there. In fact, you'll be welcomed, but still, you don't want to go alone. You don't want to go alone. But we see that to the hereafter, every one of us will go how? Alone. Every one of us will appear before Allah how? Alone. The angels of death, when they will come to take our soul, they will only take your soul. They will take you Not with your mom, not with your dad, not with your friends, not with your spouse, not with your children, not with any, any person. No, you are alone. وَلَقَدْ جِئْتُمُونَ فُرَادَ كَمَا Just as خَلَقْنَاكُمْ We created you أَوَّلَ مَرَّةً The first time. Just as we created you the first time, you have come to us alone. What does it mean? That when you went to the world, when you were sent to this dunya, how did you go? Alone. At one time, only one child can be born. Even if it's a C-section and they're twins. One has to be taken out first, followed by the other. In this dunya, how do we come? Alone. A new place, a different place, but alone. And just like that, in the hereafter, how will we go? Alone. In this dunya when we come, we come without anything. Anything. Meaning we don't have anything as our possession. No clothes, no shoes, no money, nothing at all. When a child comes out of the womb of the mother, what does he have with him? Nothing at all. It is the parents that have to clothe the child. It is the parents that have to feed the child. The child doesn't bring anything at all. Uncircumcised. Without any clothes, nothing. And just like that, we will all return to Allah unaccompanied and without anything. Your stuff cannot go with you. Your phone cannot go with you. The best of your possessions, the most valuable things that you've acquired in this dunya cannot go with you. When a person is buried in his grave, how is he buried? Alone. Even if you request your husband that if I die in your life, please come with me in my grave, will he come? Never. If you make requests 
that please, I love these belongings of mine. I want them to be with me. Will it happen? No. And even if they are buried with a person, like many cultures, it happens. But still, can those things benefit a person? No. Years later, people come and commit theft and steal from the tombs what the people buried themselves with. وَلَقَدْ جِئْتُمُونَ فُرَادًا كَمَا خَلَقْنَاكُمْ أَوَّلَ مَرَّةً وَتَرَكْتُمْ And you have left مَا that which خَوَّلْنَاكُمْ We bestowed upon you. وَرَاءَ behind ظُهُورِكُمْ Your backs. Everything that we bestowed upon you, you have left it behind you. It's behind your backs now. You can't even turn back and take a look. It's in a different world. You can't go back. You can't take anything. Notice the word خَوَّلْنَاكُمْ خَوَّلَ يُخَوِّلُ تَخْوِيلُ خَوَّلَمْ Takhwil is basically to grant ownership of something to someone. Not just to provide, but to grant ownership that you are now the master. You now own it. It's your possession. It's yours. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us many things in this life, right? There's so many things about which we say, it's mine, my house, my car, my clothes, my stuff, my room, my food, my lunch, my bag, my makeup, my phone. So many things about which we say it's mine. And خَوَّلَ يُخَوِّلُ تَخْوِيلُ is not just to grant ownership, but it is to grant ownership of something that requires care. That requires care. It needs to be looked after. And everything of this world is such that you have to look after it. You have to store it at a suitable place. Some things require that they have to be stored in a dark place. Other things require that they have to be stored in a cool place. Right? Other things require that they have to be stored in a bright place, in a warm place. Many things that require work from us. If a person owns property, then he has to look after that property. Right? If a person owns an animal, he has to look after that animal. And when you have to look after something, when you're like the manager over it, it gives you more you know, sense of ownership, that it's mine. I look after it. It belongs to me. And you also feel that if you leave it, then it will suffer. For example, many women, they find it difficult to come out of their houses once a day for a class. Why? Because they feel that if they will go, the house will be neglected. Am I right? Hmm? Likewise, there are many things about which we feel that they need us. More than we need them, we feel that our stuff needs us. So because of that, we don't want to leave our stuff. And we're constantly concerned about it. Right? That even if we're gone, even if we're gone somewhere temporarily, we call and we say, did you water my plants? Did you feed my fish? Did you take the cat out? Did you check the litter? Did you make sure that it's okay? Why? Because you know that the things that you own, they need you. And if you're not there, somebody needs to look after them. And you know that nobody can look after your belongings the way you will look after your belongings. Am I right? Am I right? Yes. Because even though we leave our things as amana with others, and we ask them, please take care of it while I'm away, we're still not happy when we get back. Right? We're still not satisfied. We worry. Think about children. 
Mothers, if you leave your child with somebody, even for a couple of hours, here and there, you're always concerned. Did you have lunch? Did you give lunch to my child? Did he sleep well? Did he need a diaper change? Does he need me? Is he okay? You're calling every now and then. And some women, they're so anxious because their child is separate from them that they almost harass those who are looking after their children. Why? Because you know that your child needs you. And even if somebody else takes care of my child, they can never do what I will do. They can never do what I will do. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَتَرَكْتُمْ مَا خَوَّلَّاكُمْ وَرَأَ ظُهُورِكُمْ You spent your lives looking after all of these things. You didn't want to leave them. And you knew that if you were to leave them, they would suffer. But hey, where are they today? They're not with you. You've left them behind. And this is something we need to remember right now. Right now. Because many times, many times we neglect that which is more important. Why? Because of these very things. That we feel need us. We will delay our prayers, perform them very quickly. Why? Because I have to clean the kitchen. Because I have to vacuum. Because I have to do my assignment. Because I have to delegate all this work to people. Because I have to do this, because I have to do that, because my children need me, because of so many things. We spend our lives after what? Things that we are ultimately going to leave. We cry because of them. We become happy because of them. We spend money on them. And because of that, we neglect our akhirah. Be honest with yourself. Is this not the case? How much time is it that we spend sometimes in just cleaning the bathrooms? I'm not saying leave your bathroom dirty. But think about it. How much time do we spend sometimes in making sure that the walls of the shower are nice and spotless? So at the end, our hands are tired. Right? Our head is tired. Our body is tired. And then we don't have the energy to do that which is more important. But remember, everything that you spend your time today on, things of this dunya, you're caring for them, you're maintaining them, you're looking after them, eventually you will leave them. And Allah shows this to us in this life as well. When a house that you're living in, eventually you have to leave the house. And the people who come and live there, they don't take care of it as you took care of it. The things that you own, you give to somebody, yourself, as a gift, and you see them abusing it. You see them abusing it. Okay. This reminds me of the verse that we previously studied. I think it came twice already. Like your children and your wealth are what you enjoy in this life, but they're not going to help There's you in the hereafter. Yes. That they're just an adornment of this life. Assalamualaikum. I was just thinking of when we were doing our course uh, of Talimul Quran, our course in charge, she reminded us about, like, uh, she was telling her new Tajweed class was going to start, and she had to pray her Zuhar, and she had to pick her child, and she had to perform her Salah and everything, and she had lots of work to do. And at that time, her Tajweed teacher, she came. So she said that, I have to pick up my child, I have to finish my lunch, and I have to pray. So the teacher, she said, if the dead angel of death, he comes and tell you, so are you going to give these reasoning to him? So she said, I had no answer for that. 
and I just sat down and I couldn't think of anything. So we have so many lists, like back of our mind, that we have to complete these things. But yes. when the time comes, we have Very to true. give it up all. That every day we have a list in our heads. I have to do this, I have to do that, I have to clean up, I have to do the laundry, I have to do the ironing, I have to go do groceries, I have to uh, respond to that email, I have to call that friend, I have to go to that party, I have to go to that dinner. Where in the list is that which we have to do for Allah? Because the things of this dunya, they're going to be left behind. And think about it, the angel of death comes. Can you do anything then? No. وَتَرَكْتُمْ مَا خَوَّلْنَاكُمْ وَرَاءَ ظُهُورِكُمْ You're going to leave it behind your back. So never, never become too attached to the things of this world. Never become too attached to the things of this world. Whether it is your bed or your furniture or your dishes or your linens or your clothes, never be too attached. Because sometimes we fight with others over these things. We ruin our relationships with people because of these things. I don't want these people to come because they're children. They're very, very wild. Last time they came, they scratched my wall. And the paint got ruined. And they spilled the juice on the floor. And the wood got scratched. And we lost this one piece of that Lego set. Really? You will ruin your relationship with someone just because a few things of the dunya got destroyed. You lost them. Even if they didn't come, what will happen eventually? What will happen eventually? The house will ultimately be demolished. Yes. I was just thinking, rather than preparing for our akhirah and what's going to happen afterwards, we get shaitan makes us so engrossed and indulged in what's going on at the moment, at what's going on presently. And he makes us get involved in things that might be affecting our iman in a negative way, whether it's you know going out with friends that will affect the way we pray or we won't be able to guard our salah or it'll make us go out for Halloween or... Yes, that he makes what's going on feel so important and urgent and there's something that you just have to do it, gotta do it. Then what happens? That we neglect the akhirah. Uh, this is just like one example. I find that like I find it so weird how people go and they spent like three hundred, four hundred dollars on like a watch or something, but once like someone asked for like $5 for charity or something, suddenly that becomes so much to them, so big. And, you know, I think people in our generation, everyone is so into like the dunya and they just so like caught up and distracted on, you know, this worldly life that they totally forget about the akhira. Yes, so true. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, recently I just heard a hadith. Uh, I don't remember the exact number, but it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala around 50,000 years or 500,000, I'm not sure the number, before he created the dunya, he wrote down the rizq, the sustenance for every single person that was going to live in his entire life. So while you're living and while you're in this dunya, it's already guaranteed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as long as you're living and your time of death didn't come, you're going to eat and Allah will provide for you. But he never um, made the Jannah guaranteed. So we're here so that we work for the Akhirah, we work for Jannah. So it's important that we prioritize that we're here and, you know, construct a pyramid in your head that Allah is at the top. I'm here because I want to work for the Akhirah. And as long as I'm living, Alhamdulillah, I'll enjoy the dunya too because Allah put me here. And, you know, it's guaranteed that you'll eat. The risk of this dunya is guaranteed. The enjoyment of this dunya is guaranteed. But the enjoyment of Jannah, that's not guaranteed. 
Whether you want things in this dunya or you don't want them, they will still come to you. You know, it's like sometimes people don't want something and they still get it. And they don't know what to do with it. It's like somebody's forcing you to take some food and you don't want that food, but they still pour it in your plate. And then you're forced to eat it. But Jannah is not guaranteed. The enjoyment of Jannah is not guaranteed. So think about it. How much time is being spent to get that which is in this dunya? To enjoy that which is in the dunya? And how much time is being spent to get that which is in Jannah? Assalamu alaikum. I feel like this verse is telling us that we really need to learn how to balance our lives. We obviously, we can't just completely leave everything, leave our homes dirty, leave our things just carelessly around. So it's, we do have to take care of them because it, it is our responsibility to take care of them. But at the same time, we can't make them our goal yes. in our life. This is not the reason we were created. It's not the reason we were put on this earth. Yes. So we need to, like she said before, prioritize. We need to put our focus to the akhirah, but at the same time, balance it along with the things we have to do in this life to live. Yes, very true. So every day, check yourself. that How much time was spent on this dunya, on attaining this dunya, and how much time was spent in attaining the akhirah? Because whatever that I get of this dunya, I'm going to leave it behind. I'm so particular about my laundry, about my clothes, about ironing. And the people after you, they don't care even a little bit. Which is why you clean the washroom spotless. And somebody goes and does wudu and sprays water all over. People don't even care about what you've accomplished in this dunya. Have you ever seen a house that belonged to a person who's now gone, who has now passed away? And their belongings, they stay there. Their degrees are hanging on the wall. Their desk is there. Their stuff is there. Their clothes, their shoes, everything's there. But they're not there anymore. They cannot benefit from anything. Anything at all. You've left it behind you. So whatever you have, you're going to leave it. Don't get too attached to it. You're ultimately going to leave it. What you're going to take with you is what? Your deeds. I remember somebody I know, they got a cell phone as a gift. And that cell phone was not, uh, you know, nobody had it. And they were so happy about it for like a year. And after a year, I think Rogers put it on like $100 or something. You know, with a phone plan, you could get it for $100. And they were so upset that I enjoyed this phone just for a little while now. Every other person has it. Every other person has it. And literally became so common that they got rid of that phone because they were upset. So this is the reality of this life. You think you get something so unique and you're so happy about it, so proud about it, but it's not worth much at all. In this dunya you have to leave it. In this dunya you see it declining, you see it suffering. Your own body, you see it declining. You know when you're young and you're like, wow, my body's so amazing, I'm so perfect in this way and that way. And what happens when a woman becomes pregnant? She gets those stretch marks and the body becomes weird, you know, in the figure. And you, you can never ever attain that same shape and figure again. Right? No matter how much you try, you can't. There's nothing you can do. Allah shows to you in this dunya that the things of this world are not permanent. So they should not be your goal. They should not be your main concern. Because if they become your main concern and your goal, you'll be disappointed, you'll be miserable, you'll be unhappy. And you'll be distracted from the hereafter. وَتَرَكْتُمْ مَا خَوَّلْنَاكُمْ وَرَاءَ ظُهُورِكُمْ وَمَا أَنَّاتْ نَرَى We see. We do not see. مَعَكُمْ with you. شُفَعَاءَكُمْ 
your intercessors, Lord of Shafir, all those people whom you sought will intercede for you, request for you, defend you, be there for you, always there for you. That's what you thought about them. But today, they're not there for you. الَّذِينَ Those who زَعَمْتُمْ You asserted, you claimed أَنَّهُمْ Indeed they فِيكُمْ In you shuraka partners. You claimed about them. You thought about them that they were among you associates. What does it mean by this? That they were among you in you associates. That they were in deserving your worship partners. Partners of who? Allah. That they also deserve your worship. Just as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does. Or fikum, meaning in regards to your affairs, they had a share with Allah. That they also decree your provision, and they also are responsible for your happiness, for your suffering, for your enjoyment. You thought that they had some share in how your life is. But in reality, that's nothing like that. Because if it was, then they would have been here today. But they're not here today. So all these false gods that people believe in, what will happen on the Day of Judgment? They won't show up. لَقَدْ Certainly, تَقَطَّعَ It has been cut off from قَافْ It has been cut off بَيْنَكُمْ Between you. Meaning your relationship, your connection, your love, your friendship is now cut off. You're now disconnected. And isn't this true? When a person leaves the world, then he is disconnected from the people of the world. لَقَدْ تَقَطَّعَ بَيْنَكُمْ no matter how much a person is loved by others, he's respected by others, he's surrounded by others, he's famous, people love him. But what will happen when he dies? Cut off. Cut off. You know sometimes if you're sick and nobody knows that you're sick, and you're in bed, you can only even have the energy to get your phone and tell somebody you're sick. You're like, if somebody could know somehow that I need their help, what happens? You're made to realize that you are alone. And this is our reality. That we are, at the end of the day, alone. We will appear before Allah alone. We will depart from this world alone. And the people who love us, who surround us, they won't show up. They won't come along with you. لَقَدْ تَقَطَّعَ بَيْنَكُمْ وَضَلَّ عَنْكُمْ And lost from you is مَا that which كُنْتُمْ you were تَزْعُمُونَ You used to claim. In Surah Al-Mu'minun, Ayah 101, we learn, فَإِذَا نُفِخَ فِي الصُّورِ فَلَا أَنْسَابَ بَيْنَهُمْ يَوْمَئِذٍ وَلَا يَتَسَأَلُونَ When the trumpet will be blown, no relationship will there be among them that day. All relationships cut off. And they will not even ask about one another. If you're sick, you're hurt, and somebody doesn't ask about how you're doing, you get offended. But on the Day of Judgment, nobody's gonna ask you. Nobody's gonna ask you. Nobody's gonna care about you. So what do we learn in this ayah? That realize that you are alone. You came alone, you're going alone. You came, you collected many things, you made many friends, you managed to get many followers, many supporters, but the reality is that you are going alone before Allah. You are leaving this world all by yourself. Nobody's going to accompany you. You are alone. The matter at the end of the day is between you and your Lord. So no matter how happy people are with you, it doesn't matter if Allah is not happy. No matter how nice you come across before people, it doesn't matter. 
unless you come across as a good servant before Allah. At the end of the day, what matters is your relationship with your Lord. Because all the things that you've collected, all the people you've become friends with, they will be cut off. Alone. You'll be separated from everything and everyone. Only you and Allah. And what you have to show to Him. The deeds that you accomplished, that you performed. Recitation. وَمَنْ أَظْلَمُ مِمَّنِ افْتَرَى عَلَى اللَّهِ كَذِبًا أَوْ قَالَ أُوحِيَ إِلَيَّ وَلَمْ يُوحَ إِلَيْهِ شَيْءٌ وَمَنْ قَالَ سَأُنْزِلُ مِثْلَ مَا أَنْزَلَ اللَّهِ وَلَوْ تَرَى إِذِ الظَّالِمُونَ فِي غَمَرَاتِ الْمَوْتِ وَالْمَلَائِكَةُ بَاسِطُوا أَيْدِيهِمْ وَالْمَلَائِكَةُ بَاسِطُوا أَيْدِيهِمْ أَخْرِجُوا أَنفُسَكُمْ اليوم تجزون عذاب الهون بما كنتم تقولون على الله غير الحق وكنتم عن آياته تستكبرون ولقد جئتمونا فرادا كما خلقناكم أول مرة وتركتم وَتَرَكْتُمْ مَا خَوَّلْنَاكُمْ وَرَاءَ ظُهُورِكُمْ وَمَا نَرَى مَعَكُمْ شُفَعَاءَكُمُ الَّذِينَ زَعَمْتُمْ أَنَّهُمْ فِيكُمْ شُرَكَاءَ لَقَدْ تَقَطَّعَ بَيْنَكُمْ وَضَلَّ عَنْكُمْ مَا كُنْتُمْ تَزْعُمُونَ In a hadith we learn, the son of Adam says, My money, my money. But what part of your money do you have other than what you eat of it and is thus spent? What you wear and tear and what you give in charity. Because what you give in charity, that remains in the record of good deeds. And other than that, you will depart and leave it to the people. So the things that you're so concerned about, so possessive about, what will happen? You're going to leave them behind. What is yours is what you've eaten, what you've used, and what you've sent for the akhirah. What you've saved, whether in your bank account, or in your lockers, or your closets, or your basements, it's going to be left behind for other people to take out and enjoy or sell or throw away or misuse. What do you need most at this very moment? A good education? A good job? A career? Money? Every individual sets out goals that are important to him or her. Some are short-term, and others long. Yet not one of these needs is as important as one blessing you possess at every moment. Breathing. It has been 39 seconds since this film began. 
If you had been unable to breathe for 39 seconds, you would have given up all you owned in order to be able to breathe again. In another minute or so, you would have lost consciousness. Brain death would follow in another two or three minutes, and your life would be at an end. From those around, I hear a cry, a mouthful of love, a hopeless song. I hear their footsteps leaving slow, and then I know my soul must fly. The chilly wind begins to blow within my soul from head to toe. about our lives is what? Death. And the most precious thing, the most precious blessing that we've been given is life. Our time. But it is this very time, this very life that we waste. Second by second, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day. And we tell ourselves, I'm taking a break. I need to relax. And in that, we literally destroy ourselves. 
this look like? How, what kind of form he's going to scary or he's with a smiley face? We don't know. In this world, we, maybe we see a scary movie and thus we are familiar with it. But the angel of death or the angel of banishment, we don't know how it looks like more scarier and alone. It's so scary. And when a person is in the grave, when he's buried, the people go away. In the hadith, we learn that the angels come to question him. And he can hear they're coming, you know, with their sharp nails scratching through the earth, coming towards him. Scary eyes, scary appearances, and they're going to question him. They're going to ask him. And in that state of fear, in that state of panic, how do you think our response will be? It will only be good if we have lived with that conviction. If we have remembered that reality every day, that my Lord is Allah, I worship Him. My messenger is Muhammad wasallam. I follow Him. My religion is Islam. That is my priority. If that is something that a person lives every day of his life, then he'll be able to answer those questions. And if these realities are at the back of our minds and everything else is before us, the things of this world, the things that we enjoy, then how do we expect to give those answers on that day?